Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We got no intro going into this because we're recording this Thursday night, February 1st. And 21-year-old Paolo Bancaro just got named as an NBA All-Star Reserve tonight on TNT. And he didn't need a single nationally televised game to earn that respect. Uh, um, I'm just so happy. Literally, this just happened like 15 minutes ago. I just saw the Twitter video from both Paolo's dad and then the Magic Twitter account just showing how happy everybody was because it looks like they're watching from like the hotel ballroom and whatever Minneapolis hotel room they're in because they're playing the Wolves Friday night. But everybody's excited. Everybody was happy. Um, it it came, it, of course, it came down to the very end where Paolo was literally the very last name, you know, named reserves. Um, it's going to historically look pretty good that Ernie Johnson was the one that probably said it and announced it if they ever review that and replay that. Um, I would have been fine with basically any of them, but Kenny saying Paolo's name, but it just worked out that Ernie had the last one. But I thought for a second, Paolo wasn't going to get named. Um, before I get your thoughts, Penny, I'm just going to run down through some some stuff here. So, you know, again, we're doing this Thursday night, February 1st, a week ago, as expected, Paolo was not named an, an East All-Star starter, but he did finish fourth in player voting amongst East forwards behind Joel Embiid, Giannis Adetokounmpo, and uh, Jason Tatum, which is insanely respectful for a sophomore NBA kid or 21-year-old 21-year-old kid who has not officially had an NBA televised game, nationally televised game yet in his career. Uh, Paolo finished fifth in media voting, sixth in the fan voting, so... You know, from the fan voting perspective, it was a good jump. He was like 10th, and then we got him to 8th, and then he ended up finishing 6th in the fan voting. And it all ended up looking like a good indication that the coaches would definitely vote him in as a reserve, and they did. It happened, which I really want and like because the All-Star jerseys, Penny, you like the All-Star jerseys? Kind of love them. And one, I'm happy we're back in the East-West format, but... You know, I, I I like we we like a good pinstripe jersey, right? And these are some pretty nice pinstripes in that East jersey. I'm definitely buying a Paolo one, but uh, do we like these jerseys, Penny? Yeah, they're they're great. Like the return to the traditional East West format. And you've been on a little bit of a, a jersey binge lately this year. Yeah, I'm stopping after this because I've got I have my Franz Wagner Magic Classic blue jersey. I bought a Joe Ingles one. And now I'm going to have this Palo Bancaro when I'm definitely done spending money on on sports memorabilia stuff for a while because it's uh, it's getting out of hand. And I just had to buy a, a replacement washer and dryer for for, for my laundry. So um, I'm going to stop doing that for a bit. But uh, all right. So the TNT drama. So you you were watching on TNT. One, did you think Paolo was – I was very confident Paolo was going to get named by the coaches. But did you think he was going to get in? But And then – I'm I got nervous once I heard once it was Bam out of bio and an injured Julius Randall. I I got nervous a little bit there that Paolo wasn't going to get named, but he got named. And uh it seemed like Paolo wasn't a hundred percent certain based off his video the, the video reactions. But what what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, obviously when they leave it to, you know, him being the last selection announced, the 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 tension builds for everybody, but there's always uh, there's always snubs every year. Uh, the talent across the league is crazy, but uh, I think on I'm certainly well deserved and and you know a deserved an uh, All Star game nod. But I think on the whole, if you look at the team record, uh, what he's been able to do in terms of you know 
basically getting better every month in spite of some of the role changes with people going in and out and the continued increased attention on him. Like, uh, hard, very hard to argue with his inclusion. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to talk about Trey Young and, and Derek White and everybody. And that's, I guess that would come down to we're considering Paolo a wild card uh, uh, all-star as opposed to a front court all-star. I'm not sure how that shook out. Yeah, we don't know. Um, I don't care. He he got named. He's he's not a replacement addition. He got named. That's all I care about. I would have been pissed if Trey Young got in over Paolo. I would have gotten mad if Derek White got in over Paolo. I'm glad none of that happened, especially Scotty Barnes. Fuck off. Uh, like, <laughs> like if Scotty Barnes would have gotten in, uh, gotten in, I would have pulled a ton of receipts from how Vooch then deserved two more All Star additions, two two more All Star. Uh, game selections to his name than the two that he that he's ended up because from a record perspective you know scotty barnes has no right to be in this conversation the hawks trey young like trey young statistically is you know is is a freak i get that but from a winning perspective like you're pretty deeply under 500 as well the magic are over 500 25 and 23 like we don't have to, we don't have to defend this at all. Like it's fully deserved. Like we don't even have to have a conversation, you know, Paolo, he's averaging 23 points per game, seven rebounds per game, five assists per game, all exact, no decimals or any of that. It's all exact 23, seven and five. He's leading the team in all three categories so far this season. And that's to go with his one steal per game, 45.3% from the field shooting 36% from, from three point range. I don't care about any BS efficiency crap I hear. I don't care about the 3.1 turnovers per game he's averaging when Paolo just does so much on the floor, winning-wise, just everything. And he and he he makes everyone around him better. It's not just him, him stat-wise. Like, he'd be averaging, like, eight assists a game if we could hit more open three-pointers instead of five. But, like, he's constantly getting double and triple teamed, and just we don't have to defend this. We can let other people bitch and moan about it, but – we got our guy in the All-Star game. He's 21 years old. Paolo becomes the ninth player in Magic history to be an All-Star. He joined Shaq, Penny, McGrady, Grant Hill, Dwight, Richard, Jameer, and Vooch. Paolo becomes the third youngest Magic player in franchise history to make an All-Star game. Shaq was, is still the youngest. He was still 20 years old his rookie season when he made his first All-Star game. Dwight is the second youngest he was in his third NBA season, but was still three weeks younger than Paolo. So, um, you know, Paolo is doing this again in his sophomore season. And, you know, coming off being the number one pick, coming off being the rookie of the year, and now in his second season in the league, he's an all-star for the first time. And it won't be the last unless something catastrophic happens. But um, And then Paolo would be the first Magic draft pick to be selected for, for the all-star game since Dwight. Um Again, he's the first all-star since Vooch made it in 2021 and 2019. Paolo in January alone, in those 16 games in January, 25.8 points per game, 7.1 rebounds, 5.7 assists per game. He was an Eastern Conference Player of the Month nominee. The award just went to Donovan Mitchell. I mean, it was basically between him and Jalen Brunson, but you know, flip a coin between the two, but... You know, Paolo is a nominee and Paolo is the only magic player to have played all 48 games so far this season. Like we don't have to defend anything. He, he belongs in here, you know, 
as a quick footnote, Paolo also made his second Rising Stars game to the surprise of literally no one. Uh, Penny, do you think Paolo actually plays Friday in Rising Stars or is he saving it all for Sunday? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, that was my question for you. I, I have to assume that he will pull out of that game and just play in the big show, right? I don't know, because, I mean, it's it's Friday. He's not doing, as far as we know, he's not doing any All-Star Saturday night stuff. If he does any All-Star Saturday night stuff, then, you know, he's definitely not playing Friday. But because there's that day in between, look, it's not just the games when you're over, the, you know, in this case, it's Indianapolis, um, which that's going to be a pretty fun All-Star weekend, assuming it's not, like, frigid cold that weekend, but um, which it might be, but it could be, like, another Toronto or whatever. But, um, you know, with, with Indy, that's... That's a basketball town. That's a basketball state to be up there. So that's that's pretty cool in and of itself. Uh, but he's going to be doing a lot of like NBA Cares events. He's going to be doing a lot of interviews. He's going to be doing just a lot of things where his agent, his representation is going to pull him around everywhere. And these guys all stay busy. Like they don't if you're at if you're at All Star Weekend, you don't really get to relax. You got to do stuff. So um, but I, I could see him playing Friday. I, I'm not completely ruling it out. I don't care either way. I'm not going to be somebody that's like, oh, we should limit his wear and tear, his minutes or whatever. Like, let the kid have fun. If he wants to play Friday, let him play Friday. But because um, who knows how, how long he's really going to play Sunday because that's Sunday because it's his first all-star game. He's going to be the youngest guy there, I think. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe he'll get 10 minutes if, if, he's, if we're lucky, you know, hopefully more, but. I, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe you play a bunch depending on the injuries because Julius Randle's out and we just found out Joel Embiid has a jacked up meniscus, which that's a scare from a Sixers perspective there. So who knows? Depending on injuries, maybe maybe Paolo ends up getting a good chunk of minutes. Um, and then from a Rising Stars perspective, Anthony Black didn't make it. Um, you know, no other Magic player made it. Uh, Mac McClung made it from the G League side, from an Osceola Magic perspective. But uh, any, are you surprised Black didn't make it, or any surprises there? I'm not. Like, I think Casey Wallace, I think, got the last spot over Black, and I think he's probably had a more consistent, impactful year than Black overall, slightly. But any, any surprises there? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Keontae George is the one to me that he scoring 11 points a game and uh, on terrible shooting percentages. But I think that's picking nits. Like right, Anthony Black definitely uh, has been more impactful to the Magic team probably than other rookies have been, but the counting stats aren't necessarily there. So uh, no surprise, but I, I would say that it's been a pleasant surprise, his uh, impact and what he's been able to do for us this year. So that's more important. Yeah, I mean, 5.3 points per game is Anthony Black, which I could have sworn that was a little bit higher, but, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's low. It's, 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 it'd be tough to justify it based off of that. Um, any other further Palo Bancaro thoughts before we get to news and kind of what's been going on uh, over the past few weeks, uh, Penny, from a Palo here's, perspective? Here's my question that you can't answer. Oh, okay. Over, under... Eight career all-star appearances for Paolo. He's made his first in his second season. I mean, I I gotta go. I'm, I'm going over. I, I I am going over. Like I'm not even. I don't think I can hesitate on that. Honestly, like I think this guy is. He's we, built. We think he's perennial all-star now. We think perennial. We think the Magic are trending uh, good to great, and we think that this is a perennial all-star every single year now. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, again, as long if he's healthy, we're right. we're a contender basically. Like we're we're always going to be in at, at minimum like the playoff conversation as long as he's healthy. And he is he is built very strong for a kid his age. Like he's you know knock on wood. I hope we never see a serious injury out of him. But like he's his body is in a good position to to handle the wear and tear of. 82 game seasons for many years to come. Um, I also, uh, on Twitter real quick, I just saw at Orlando Muse, uh, ORL Muse, the Magic have the most players 21 years of age or younger selected to the All-Star game in NBA history at four. It'd be at Paolo, Dwight, Shaq, and McGrady. Uh, there's no other NBA team that has had more than two, let alone three or four. So, um, that is a hell of a stat and, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we hold on to Paolo for a long time in comparison to the other guys, um, even longer than Dwight, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. Are you going, are you going over eight? What do you think? I, it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to say eight when we're at number one, right? I know it's hard but... to think otherwise, right? Like, uh, with just. I also think that the league um, being more bunched together, like the the winning record impacts things too, right? But now you're basically looking at teams one through 10 instead of one through six for like teams that are having a good year and still in the play-in race and stuff midway through the season. So I think that opens the door too for a little more leeway. The, the ORL Muse thing really interesting to me. Uh, speaks to one not screwing up no-brainer selections, but also um, the good good selections uh, when there's been a dispute and the great fortune that we've had as fans of the franchise over 35 years to have just remarkable players in different eras. Um, we're, we're really fortunate as fans, even through some of the lean years. All right, let's get into some off-the-floor news real quick and then on-the-floor stuff. Um so, because it's been a busy past couple of weeks, I I haven't recorded a pod since the the fifteenth of January, and that's that was literally two weeks, a little over two weeks ago. So, but uh, other news, um, Amazon they bought a minority stake in Diamond Sports Group, uh, which you know they're they they're they run Bally Sports, and so um, Bally Sports has been running Magic Games for years upon years now, but most likely next season. We're supposedly going to be able to stream Magic games from Amazon Prime or Prime Video. Um, it's supposedly not going to be free. There's going to be a cost. Who knows how much? And then who's restricted from from seeing these from seeing games on Prime Video? That's the big thing. Like, is it an in market, out of market, no restrictions type thing? Uh, but theoretically, folks are going to be able to bypass the Bally Sports app and website experience, which is a headache for a lot of people. Um, I personally have Spectrum online tv through my roku and you know that's largely so i can watch magic games so if you can watch magic games locally on prime video somehow that changes things but i i don't know any thoughts on that or should i go to the next thing i i mean i think that speaks to everything just you know i still have at&t uverse like linear cable part of that is to get live sports and hyper local sports where you're not paying out the ass for the valley package yeah. so yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. And I feel like Netflix is probably going to get involved next year, too. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, look, if, if, if I really had my way, I wish the M NBC would just get all the NBA rights again, but it's not going to happen probably. Um, so those might be, I mean, those are all better options than Bally sports. So, um, yeah. all right. Uh, money talk. So the magic are getting over $200 million in tourist tax funding towards Kia center. Um, so I would expect a lot of jumbotron video board type upgrades, uh, maybe upgrade some things that would, elevate the building becoming more attractive for more concerts to come in. Uh, Cause I know Tampa gets more shows than we do at times. And um, even though Amway centers you know, was opened in 2010, it, it seems like we should be doing a lot better from a concert perspective, but I don't know. Uh, like we're not going to talk about like mo the money portion of it, but just upgrade wise, like, Oh, it's got to be like the video boards, the big thing, like the jumbotron for sure. But anything else that I haven't mentioned that maybe comes to mind? You so I think they they did the outside video board without this money recently, right? Yes, to that one. Uh, I, my guess is going to be a lot of like little infrastructure fixes and sprucing. I'm sure there's you know there's stuff that you walk by that you don't realize needs to get fixed uh, that needs to get fixed. But how far does 200 million go these days? Does that pay for a jumbotron upgrade? It should. Now, how much I, 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 it could theoretically be all of it that you use for a jumbotron up the upgrade, but I don't think I don't think that would that's necessary, but I, it's construction prices are ridiculous in this country that's all i'll say um for that so i wish we could somehow upgrade the concourse in a in a way like it's it's expansive but it's like cavernous like i've been to some of these other arenas now and even with like lesser some some have like way better you know entryways into the arena itself like the ways to get into the arena unless you're doing it from the garage uh you know like the, the Disney atrium on, on the North side, I'm not the biggest fan of like, it's okay now it's okay. But I, I don't know. I feel like that could just all be spruced up a little bit better now. Um, yeah, that's it. I don't know. You got anything else? I think that's it. Let's hope that it's stuff that's noticeable to the general public. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the NBA draft is now officially going to be two nights. Uh, Thankfully, I have not had to look at Tankathon at all because the Magic have been competitive. Uh, but still, this this impacts us in one way or another. But uh, the draft is now going to be Wednesday, June 26th, and Thursday, June 27th. Uh, so the first round is all going to happen on that Wednesday. It's still going to be five minutes, I guess, between picks. And then the second round gets its all it gets its own night, uh, Thursday, June 27th. And instead of two minute picks, it's it's four minute picks. And I guess front offices were clamoring for more time to make picks and decisions in the second round. The second round being in a completely different and smaller venue is a little weird and kind of, I don't know if it defeats the purpose or not, but um, so I think it's first round is going to be in, in the, in Barclays arena, I think in Brooklyn, I, I think. And then the second round is, is it, is it in Secaucus or somewhere in New Jersey, the second round, but um, definitely much smaller. I don't know if it's a private, venue where they're not going to allow the public at all to show up there but second round i think is going to be out of espn studios okay all right so, no, so there's no yeah there's like i mean not much room there. players aren't going to be showing up for the second round you would 
you wouldn't think. I have no idea. That's what makes this interesting because it's they announced it, but there weren't a ton of details to it. So they got a few months to figure this out, I guess. But um, I don't know. Are you a fan of the of this? I look if it leads to more like trades and I guess actual better analysis of draft picks, be it the first night or the second night, then I'm for it. Um, but it, this could go bad. And I, I do think they're doing this too, to also open the door for maybe a third round of the draft to come in when the, the league expands from 30 to 32 teams in a couple of years. Like, I think, I think they're, they're opening the door for that, but I don't know. Well, who knows? I mean, maybe a third round is just, it just the players union wouldn't want that anyway, but um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? I mean, it's uh, it's uh, I, I don't know. Wait, it, it, it's a lean part of the calendar for sports washing. So it's easy to go, okay, let's take another night in the middle of summer. Uh, people are going to watch. Are you going to watch picks 50 through 60? Are you more likely to watch picks 50 through 60 than you would be? Uh, at you know eleven forty five p.m. on night one. I mean, it's about the same interest level. If the Magic have picks, if the Magic don't have picks, you know, I I would have I probably would have wanted sleep uh, late that Thursday night because I mean sometimes I mean these picks would go on into midnight one a.m. sometimes depending on how on the draft. Like is some drafts are quicker than others, but. You know, am I more likely to maybe see the second round if it's on a second night? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I. We'll see. I'm not, you know, we don't have to spend much any more time on that, but um, yeah, that's it for, for news off the court on the floor. So the last time I recorded, cause that was my dispatch from NYC. So I didn't get you involved in that, but the magic were 22 and 28, 22 and 18. The last time we, uh, our last time we had a pod uh, and that was after the magic one on MLK day in Madison square garden and that was that was I was not expecting a magic win because it was it was in the middle of a lengthy road trip because it's like the magic been on the road forever uh, the past month or so. But um, we're 25 and 23 now. We are eighth in the east, so we fall in a little bit. The Knicks are third. Uh, the Sixers are fourth. But we found out Joel Embiid tore his meniscus. Um, so who or maybe not tore, but at least injured his meniscus. So we'll see what that means for the Sixers. Uh, if Embiid is out for the season, then if the Magic can somehow get back up to the sixth seed and face potentially either a Knicks or Philly team, I mean, they probably all slide. Maybe then Cleveland or Indy would move up. But um, that gets interesting as far as matchups go uh, because, you know, we you really don't want to be a seventh or eighth seed because then you're facing the uh, the Celtics or, or Milwaukee most likely as the top two seeds. But if the magic can crawl up to six, like I predicted, which it's still in play, um, then that gets interesting. But we went through just a very difficult January. We finished six and 10 in January for the month, I believe. And I thought we were actually going to go nine and seven in the month of January. So that, uh, that hurt the, the projection a little bit there. And, you know, we lost a few games that, we definitely coughed up. Like we're we're two game we're two games off my forty five win prediction pace right now. So right now I have us on a forty three win pace, which you know, that's not a disaster. That's above the thirty six and a half, thirty seven and a half over under at the start of the season. But um, you know we can pick up some extra wins here now as we move away from the what was what is the toughest portion of our schedule. Um, 
you know, we've got less than two weeks until the all-star break where some guys like Jalen Suggs could badly use a rest as well. And, you know, again, we, you know, we're doing this Thursday night, January, uh, February 1st. So Friday night, we're in Minneapolis. Like once we get out of Minneapolis, things get m more manageable as far as potentially racking up wins. But, um, just going over through some of the games a little bit, just briefly that we've gone through and feel free to jump in or stop me or whatever, Penny, but, um, you know, January 17th, we, we fucked around in Atlanta with the Hawks and we let them hang around and DeJounte Murray hit another game winner against us. That was a game we should have won. We didn't, um, Mosley, I thought then lost us the Sixers game with our starting lineup. And then this Pat Bev podcast, weird magic fan beef just has, has just won't go away and it's just like it, it's building up so it'd be really funny if we somehow face the Sixers in the playoffs but um and then January 21st Miami was in town here Franz coming off a great podcast with JJ Redick uh returned to the magic lineup after you know being out with that ankle Mosley finally started a point guard which ended up being Markel Fultz in this instance um because we were going without a point guard for a long time there and then Wendell started at center instead of Goga Bataze, which we haven't seen much of Goga since then. Um, you know, we've seen him here and there, but you know, he's, he's, he's basically the third string center again is Goga. And then for that heat game, Miami entered that game nine and one against the Southeast. The magic were five and four. We kicked Miami's ass and they were actually basically healthy. They, they, Miami basically had everybody healthy and, our starters were great in that game, and we won 105-87, which was the lowest point total for Miami on the season at that point. Uh, we haven't had a, a great win. We haven't had a win that good since that Miami game. Like We hosted the Cavs at home on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Gary Harris you know, was out forever. Foltz missed this game due to knee management. Isaac was out due to maintenance. Like. We needed to start black instead of Suggs for this game, which thankfully we did. Uh, but you know, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, they've been awesome. They for Atlanta or for Cleveland, just carrying Cleveland without Darius Garland and and Evan Mobley, which those two are now back for the Cavs. So it's gonna be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if they actually struggle a bit again. But um, you know, the Magic were down like thirty-eight to nineteen in that first period because Sam Merrill was just raining threes galore, and we just got wrecked in this game. And of course the Day after this, Tristan Thompson gets a 25 game suspension for using anabolic steroids. So there you go on that. Uh, any thoughts on any of those games? I just rambled through real quick before we get right. to uh, the uh, the suspension for performance enhancing drugs also subject to inflation from the 2010 Richard Lewis uh, penalty. But not touching um, that. Not touching that. Uh, I I mean. It's just been a rough stretch, right? You're coming back from like a whole bunch of travel and people still in and out. It's not totally surprising, um, but some of the stinkers have, have left a lot of stink. Uh, and I agree with you that uh, there's, there's time here upcoming. And I think Minnesota is still going to be a good one too, because a lot of eyes are going to be on Paolo to, uh, you know, like, I think our team's going to be amped up for that game. Yeah. Based if you if like based off of how they were pumped up and celebrating Paolo becoming an all-star, I think that's going to carry into this game. Plus, you know, Minnesota's the best team in the West. Like you're not you're take you're fully taking that game seriously. Plus the last time we were in Minnesota, you know, Jalen Suggs like 
and Mo Bamba fought Austin Rivers. Like that was right. that, that was a year ago. Like both teams have come a long way since. Um, but See, now, now a game that you think the Magic would have been up for and well rested for the Memphis game. But what walk us through what happened there because I can't really speak about it. I'm still too poor. Memphis game, so. Uh, so they had no John Morant, no Desmond Bain, no Steven Adams, who funny enough, just got traded to Houston for Oladipo and picks. So that was interesting. Uh, Marcus smart was out. We had three days off. We were Oh, two going into this game. We had three days off or more. And we ended up being Oh, and three after this game with three days off or more like this, this needed to be a road win. It wasn't, I know Jalen Suggs hurt his knee left knee early on. Like Suggs is hurting ev- something every game now again. Like it's, it's painful watching Suggs. Like he's looking like 34 year old Daryl Armstrong. And I don't, I don't know if even an all-star break is going to help him out going down the stretch. But um, I knew the re- the refs were garbage in this game because Jaron Jackson Jr. Didn't have a single personal foul through the first three quarters of the game, which is impossible. Like, <laughs> the guy is a walking foul machine and he didn't have a single foul on him until the fourth quarter. Um, like the magic, they were fighting in this game offensively, but our defense was poor and Memphis just rained threes on us. Like Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, they're magic killers. There's no denying that. Uh, we were down 68, 59 at halftime. We were down six entering the fourth. Um, and look, an easy strength of schedule, which everyone's, statistically saying the magic have the easiest strength of schedule the rest of the season. Well, an e- easy strength of schedule means jack shit if you don't show up. And we didn't show up fully in this game. Like we tried to steal it in the fourth. Um, it, it just didn't happen. Like Capallo dragged us back into this game late. And then Joe, he had the game winner. It went in and out. We lose. It's an awful loss and a bitter pill of a lesson to just to swallow. And I've, I know I say this, probably once every like seven games, but Mosley needed to confront the officials. And yet again, he did not. And it's costing us in my eyes, as far as just us not getting like the respect that we need to in that regard. Um, See now, certainly they didn't show up. The energy and effort wasn't there. We talked about this during the game. This was the first one where Isaac, there was kind of the ramp up and like second half Isaac minutes where he's been playing a little bit more lately, except for the eight minute weird start and sit. Uh, if you're going to play Isaac down the stretch, why would you not put him on Jaron Jackson Jr. for more than one possession when you have the evidence of the whole game of Wendell being just, you know, not, not the right good enough. That night. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's, we have this frustration in multiple games of late where, you know, they give us some Isaac and it's, they don't give us enough of them. And it's like, you know, I, I have the tweet out there with the uncut gems meme where it's Kevin Garnett be like, you know, if I can't have it, like, why the fuck would you show me this? And so <laughs> that's that's basically where we're at with Isaac. Um, and then we hosted the Suns. They had no Nurkic, which helped a lot. Bar- Bradley Bill was wearing an ill-fitted mask. He didn't have a custom one on. Bull Bull was out hurt, I guess. Um, we had not beaten Kevin Durant in a decade going into this game. And I was media in the upper bowl that night that we did win a decade ago. That was an Oklahoma city game that we won where Tobias Harris dunks the ball to beat the buzzer off a hot potato, Maurice Harkless assist, um, and a Victor Oladipo loose ball recovery. Like I just still remember just how hyped that crowd was. And then sprinting to the elevator to the media elevator to get down, uh, towards the media area after the, after the game. And, um, like with the Suns game, Markel Fultz had a good start, and 
but you could tell Paul Porter. I was concerned. Paul Porter, even in his voice as he was announcing, was concerned about how this game was going at that early on. And our bench was struggling, and our bench has been struggling a lot of late. But um, you know, the Magic they they tried to energize themselves through defense to get out of what was basically like an offensive malaise. Like we were just were not moving offensively. It was really bizarre for a while there. But the the ramped up defense it worked. You know, in the second quarter, we, we we started coming back. Like Fultz was urging our offense on as much as he could, but there was still just not enough ball move, not enough player movement, not enough cutting stuff like that. Um, I thought Devin, I mean Devin Booker was just cooking us the whole night. There was some DeVos family members there, like Betsy DeVos, and some you know, and I it's just he's probably he was probably motivated from that. Um, and then considering. We could use more perimeter defense against guys like Devin Booker. Not using guys like Caleb Houston or Trevlin Queen was uh, was an interesting choice. I thought um, the Magic then started trapping the hell out of Phoenix. There was, I thought, with this game, there was kind of some similarities between this game and then the December thirty first game in Phoenix, where that we barely lost. It was it was there for the Magic to take, and you know all we had to do was make uh, some open threes. We didn't do it in that game. We. we finally kind of did it in this game. Um, and we crashed the re- the boards well with no uh, Nurkic to worry about. Uh, just throughout the game, Isaac, Black, Suggs, just with some immense defensive plays, just some highlight crazy level defensive plays. And then we had a great energetic fourth period to close it out. Like it was just a massive win despite bad officiating. Like we had, we had a, we went on a 21 to six run to end the game and, and yeah. win it. And just defense fueled a lot of it. Um, Thoughts on that before we go to Dallas? I mean, that's that fourth quarter specifically is like best case magic basketball for this season. So that was nice to see a strong finish and a much needed win. Uh, then the magic went to Dallas second night of a back-to-back first of what is our current five game road trip. Kyrie Irving was out Luca, not far off from that 73 point game. He had, uh, we had no folds. So the magic started Suggs, Franz, Paolo, Isaac, and Wendell. So Franz was a shooting guard. This was Isaac's first start since January 1st, which was also against Dallas. Or sorry, January 1st of 2020, which was also against Dallas. So it would have been over four years since Isaac had started a game. And our size gave the Mavs problems early on. And then Isaac and Franz, I thought, were both playing good defense on Luka a lot. Like we had a 16-0 run at some point early on, and then... You know, I, I don't like that we're not playing with a real point guard, even though it looked good early on in the game and it, and we were up 77-61 at halftime. Like, I I don't like playing without a real point guard, and Suggs is not a real point guard. Um, so it's basically a home game for Anthony Black, who's from that Dallas-Fort Worth area. Like, he hit these two big threes early, and he just kept making it rain and just dropping <laughs> points at, after that. Like, he had 16 points in the first half. Paolo had 22. Um we were hitting the th- open threes that Dallas gave us. And for some reason in that third quarter, we just, we struggled with zone. Like we couldn't hit, we couldn't hit shots. Um, you know, Anthony Black started the third period in place of Jonathan Isaac because J.I., w- who was a plus 15 in eight minutes, was rested the entire rest of the game. And it's just kind of similar kind of Memphis frustration there. Um, and it was a third quarter magic collapse. Like it, it just coincided with all that, which it was just ugly. And then we're down we're still only down seven entering the fourth. I know we're up 16, but it felt like we should have been down more than seven entering the fourth. 
Paolo got us going with like an 8-0 run uh, to open that fourth. We can't have Cole Anthony, Anthony Black on the floor together. It just it's not working with Cole slumping. Um, and then we had a fourth quarter Franz appearance a little bit there. And then just the game turned on a very sketchy Wendell Carter Jr. flagrant foul that just ruined yeah. everything, which Lively was given four free throws, which I, I don't recall I've ever seen that. Um, he missed two of the four, but you know Dallas kept the ball. They were up 120 to 119 with 151 left. I thought Mosley just didn't handle the end of the game as well there. And, you know, we almost we almost won in a nearly insane, crazy comeback finish, but it we didn't deserve it with how that, that game played out. And yeah, we lost that game in Dallas. I don't know. Any any Mavs thoughts there, Penny? I mean, not a game that you go in expecting to win. Do you think we win if Jonathan Isaac gets six second half minutes? I think it's a possibility, but the one takeaway I had was it was it was, it was a fun game. I mean, the third quarter sucked, but, but it was a fun game matching shot for shot for so long. Uh, also, you know, that's not really sustainable for how we play. I think we blow him out if Isaac starts the third. That's that's my thought, but that just didn't play yeah. out like that. And then the Magic this last game were in San Antonio. Wendell was given almost no resistance against women. Yama, it seemed like. Uh, just pathetic overall Magic team defense early. Mo Wagner came in, dropped some ridiculously ferocious jams. We had a great second mag- second quarter Magic recovery. Like We were up 57-51 at halftime. Isaac was again immense. He even got, you know, was blocking Wembenyama. Paolo was playing in front of his mom. He had this great full court football pass feed to Franz. Uh, Paolo and Franz, they they turned the third quarter into a blowout in our favor and just some huge shots and just ferocious dunks. And and then our bench unit let the Spurs back in. It ended up being like a 21 to 2 Spurs run, even when our starters came back in. But you know, Mosley could have used the could have used some timeouts a little bit more there, but we eked out the win. That's all that matters. Any road win is a good win. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any Spurs thoughts there, Penny? I, I wish he'd call timeout sooner, but uh, yeah, we got to win. And so we're in Minneapolis uh, Friday night uh, on the 2nd. I may hit up that six-man show magic watch party at Elixir downtown that night. So uh, we'll, we'll see if I, if I, if I go. But uh, parking may be an issue because we've got the Pro Bowl in town this weekend. And especially also we have the U.S. Olympics marathon team trials here this weekend. But uh, the Magic then finished their road trip Sunday in Detroit and Tuesday in Miami. The trade deadline is Thursday afternoon, uh, February 8th, which is a week away, which we then play the Spurs at home that night. So um, we don't have to get into like specific trades or players now because – We'll do that on the next episode early next week. But Penny, what do you think we need? Yeah, the the interesting, I guess, and unsurprising thing is to me, the needs are the same as the summer because we didn't really address address them in the summer. We we talked uh, off the show about how nice it would have been to have Derek Lively at our disposal. So uh, to me, two needs. One is still that. Uh, rim-running, lob-threat presence that we don't really have with any of our three-headed rotation uh, at the five spot. And then, obviously, shooting, which has been talked about for a decade now. So uh, I think probably more likely to address the shooting need, but uh, those are the two that I pinpoint. What do you think? Yeah, I think... I think the shooting is just going to get better, though, just naturally with some of our younger guys. Like... To me, like the biggest ones are 
like a true starting center, whether that's a rim runner or not, just a true starting center where, because Wendell, Goga and Mo all physically just cannot be starting centers for contenders. Like it's, I think we've seen enough in that regard. And that's the hardest thing in this league is to just be physically strong enough, good enough to handle 70, 80 games of a regular season before going into a postseason, all that. And you know, that's the toughest thing is that like, it's not the talent. It's, it's not the, even like the work ethic or any of that. It's just physically like it is just demanding. It is a freaking grind. This, these 82 game seasons, you know, you already mentioned Derek lively. Lively was one of five guys. I wanted the magic to draft at pick 11 and they picked none of them. They picked Jed Howard and, you know, we passed on lively and then in free agency, I wanted Isaiah Hardenstein, um, He's been crushing it with the Knicks this season. He's been amazing. Um, Goga's a free agent this offseason. And at this point, you know, the Franz connection obviously helps, but I'd rather keep Mo as a backup than pay Goga, you know, around maybe what, what Mo's making. Because right now Goga's at, what, two-ish million? And to retain him, it's going to take a lot more than that to resign him. So then what are you signing Goga for? Are you signing him to be a starting center? Cause I mean, right now he's the third string center behind Mo for the most part. Um, so we'll see how the rest of the season plays out in that regard, but you got to keep in, that in mind with this trade deadline coming up is, is what's going on with Goga. Um, you know, are they going to try and keep him? Does he want to get paid elsewhere? Like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and I love Wendell, but even though offensively he's been fine of late, like defensively and just athletically, he he has problems too often when it comes to dealing with guys with, with bigger size than him. And I would rather finish with games with I you know Jonathan Isaac at center at this point. Would you penny based off who's on our on our roster? Like forget about starting, just finishing games. Like would out of all the guys we have, would you, is Jonathan Isaac the best guy to finish games with at center? I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, if you're talking about the closing lineup, Jonathan Isaac is one of the best five players that we have on the team. So you got to fit him in. Uh, and I think he's better than anyone at the five. You know, but with J.I., he still has a long road health wise before you can rely on him heavily. And I I, I don't think I mean, long road. I, when could you ever rely on him? I, I'm I don't just think basically, I mean, look, look, I'm not like he could be healthy for the next two years, and I still think he could fall apart any second. Like yeah. it's that, like it's it's going to take a long time of of long stretch of health for me to for us to trust it, and we haven't gotten that because he's missing games here and there. Like he's being rested a lot, um, but he is a defensive machine. He, he's insane, and um, yeah, I mean, with Isaac, it's. Look, I I still would be open to trading him, but this front office clearly is not. And he is one of our best five players on the team when he's healthy. He is. And there's no denying he is like a walking defensive player of the year candidate when he's out there on the floor enough. And uh I, I wouldn't you know, I would never start him at center because that would probably break him over a long course of time. But to finish games, you know, in the last like five minutes or whatever, just having him throw him in there as this, as the st- as the center to close out games. I think you got to try it and you got to see, like you got to, you got to try it at some point because you know, he's, he's making 17 million. Now his contract's going to be up next year. 
and you got to see what you got with him like you do and and based off of what the front office seems to believe and what John what Jamal Mosley's been saying is like they're using the rest of his regular season to basically build Isaac up to be ready for a postseason and it's like look man you got to get in first like I, I don't want this to be, oh, you know, we make the play in and we we play two play in games. Like I want to be in a playoff series. If we're on a playoff series, this failed miserably. That's where I'm at. So um like I have interest in a guy like Nick Claxton, who all of a sudden now Brooklyn is willing to 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 put him on the block because he's gonna be a free agent this summer and they don't want to pay him. I guess they they want to go with Dayron Sharp uh, long term. I don't know, but I like Claxton. I he his only weakness basically is free throw shooting is, is his weakness. He's like a 50 some percent free throw shooter, but he rim runs. He's an elite blocker. He's an awesome rebounder. He's a legit, legit seven footer. He doesn't shoot threes. I don't need him shooting threes. I really don't need that. Like Derek Lively doesn't shoot threes. And all you got to do is get him, keep him anywhere around the rim. And he's going to dunk that shit down. Like that's all I need from Claxton is to just dunk stuff down. And, um, I'd like to take a three month look at him next and see how he does against Paolo and Franz. And I don't know what the price tag for that would be. And we'll talk about it next show, but um, that's my interest there. And then, you know, two other things I got, look, Mark Hill, he's still our best point guard. Um, Cole Anthony's having a had a horrendous January and that didn't help matters. Um, You know, Cole's out of the six man of the year race because of just a God awful January, basically. Uh, And, Look, other bench guys haven't been that great or consistent either. Like Joe Ingles was out due to injury, and now it's taken him a while to get ramped back up again. Um, Mo Wagner's been con- inconsistent. Like even though Mo Wagner's averaging like 11 points per game, like he hasn't been that great. Um, a lot of bench, like Gary Harris has been out for what, like 14, 15 games straight. Um, and then, you know, again, looking at the point guard situation, like Anthony Black is just too young right now. Like he's, it's great that he's willing to shoot. And some nights those those shots go in, but he is very inconsistent with that shot right now. And he is a very, very young 20 years old as as Anthony Black. He he's he could honestly use some time with Osceola. He really could, but his size and defense are just so valuable to us right now that you definitely can't do that. And at the end of it all, we need a point guard who one isn't a defensive liability, but then can play some offense that can spread the floor for Paolo and Franz. That's got good court, good enough court vision to dish that ball out to guys when they are open, and that isn't afraid to shoot the ball when it comes down to it. And Markell's got all that, except he's afraid to shoot it. Although he's starting to shoot the ball a little bit again. Um, I'll get excited when he's hitting, you know, when he's shooting and hitting threes. But Markell's starting to find himself again a little bit here, and you know maybe. Maybe the trade deadline whispers or stuff are kind of motivating him a little bit extra to just be a little bit more active offensively. But um, we'll see how this week plays out because a lot can change between now and and next Thursday. Um, and then the third thing I got on the list is, look, if we're saying goodbye to Gary Harris, which I don't think we're saying goodbye to Gary Harris, but every, a lot of people seem to think we are. Because um, calf, calf strains are – I've had a calf strain. I've, I've – you know – Calf strains can be tears. I've had a torn calf before. It's not fun. It takes a lot of time. So, you know, I believe it's a little bit legitimate injury. I don't think we're holding them out just to wave them or trade them or whatever. Um, but 
you know, if Gary wants to end up on a title contender, or if we're desperate to to give more minutes to guys like Jed Howard or Kevon Harris or whatever, you know, and that Gary Harris is is a free agent in the summer and we're, we may not bring him back, then then you got to bring back another vet then in that regard. Like it can't just be Ingles as the only vet on the team. Like you have to have a at least a second legitimate veteran on the team, and you know, there's no chance that we should or that we are going to get rid of Joe anytime soon. So you're looking at Gary. Um, and I, I don't think Gary goes anywhere. I really don't. Um, it'd be nice to see him on the floor between now and Thursday, but I, I, I'm not sure we get rid of him. but we'll like, I think it's, it's more likely Jed Howard gets traded than Gary Harris. And most people oh. think I'm crazy for believing that, but, um, I still kind I still think Jed Howard was picked 11th, and also Anthony Black. I still think Anthony Black and Jed Howard were picked to eventually be traded for something big. Um, now, I don't know if we're going to get that, this trade deadline. It's going to probably take till the offseason for that to become a possibility. But um, I'm going to just leave it at that. So so you're saying rim running center and shooter. Anything else you want to add to any of that I just rambled on? I, I mean, I think that you make a lot of sense. It's hard to believe with all the guards on the roster that we still need a point guard. But, but uh, I think those are very clearly the three solid needs of the team. Uh, how many of them will be addressed in the next week or so? Uh, I would I would not hold our breath. Like uh, I, I'm gonna, I'll mention it now a little bit. I, like again, we're not talking trade scenarios, but we might as well bring up guys that have been kind of in the it, it, out there from a from a potential magic acquisition perspective. And the two names are Tyus Jones and Malcolm Brogdon. And I'm not interested in either because one, well, both of them are 31 years old, which age wise, that's not an issue. That's fine. But Tyus Jones is not a good defender. Like there's a, like as great as Tyus Jones can be offensively. And he's very, he's got like the best assist to turnover ratio in the league. Still, I believe is Tyus Jones and the Memphis Grizzlies sure shit missed him this season. But, um, you know, Jones is not a tall, not the tallest guy in the world. And I feel like against great teams, he won't be nearly as effective offensively and defensively. He is not good defensively. Like he's somewhere, he might be worse than Cole Anthony. Like it's, it's not great. Um, and then Malcolm Brogdon, I love the president. I've, I've liked Malcolm Brogdon, you know, from his Milwaukee days and all that, but like, he can't stay healthy. Like even, even if he's not missing a ton of games, he is hindered by injury a lot. And, I'm just scared of bringing that on as, as great as Brogdon can be like spreading the floor. And, you know, he's a, he's a pretty decent point guard overall, but just spreading the floor and being able to hit knockdown jumpers. That's fine. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to a Chris Paul. Like we can talk about this next episode, but I'm going to throw that out there just, just to throw that out there. But like Chris Paul, even though he's old as shit and he he can play into his 40s like that he's he's gonna find a way to play into his 40s if he wants to until he gets that ring now the problem is, is we're not a championship contending team but the problem for Chris Paul is is that's not gonna happen in Golden State and Golden State's looking to trade him along with like Andrew Wiggins and stuff like that like they're they're freaking out but I would rather have Chris Paul than Malcolm Brogdon or or Tyus Jones um I don't know I'll leave it at that. I don't know if you want to add anything else point guard wise. We just leave it. At we, that. we have, we have a lot to talk about on the next episode. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode. If you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time. Palo Bay cares an all-star man. Let's go. Um, 
We are the longest running magic podcast show in existence. So any added support is much appreciated. Subscribing, rating the show highly, positive comments. They all help the podcast ranking immensely. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic. Good job, Paolo.